Welcome to the Medical School Research Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be talking to Kaylin Morgan. Kaylin is a fourth year DO student at Rocky Vista University. Kaylin's story is impressive and motivating. He is a husband and father who has found the time to seek out research opportunities outside his own institution. In this episode, you will hear about his journey seeking out a research gap year and ultimately getting accepted in the prestigious Lyft Fellowship at UC Irvine's Urology Department. If you are interested in pursuing a gap year, interested in urology, or interested in pursuing research opportunities outside your own medical school, this episode is right for you. With that said, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Kaylon, just to start us off, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, very general stuff. I'm from Southern Utah. I'm originally from a small town of about 600 people and 10,000 cows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my dad sold his portions of the family farm. We moved to a slightly larger place called St. George, Utah. I went to high school there. I went to an undergraduate college in Southern Utah called Southern Utah University. And from there, I got into like an early acceptance program to a DO medical school called Rocky Vista, which had just built a new campus in town next to St. George, Utah. So me and kind of the short, I guess, so I'm a fourth year medical student right now. I'm doing my audition rotations, roaming the countryside. I'm married with two kids. Part of my journey and part of, I guess, why we're doing this interview involves the fact that I did take a year off to do research in the field of urology, just because that's what I wanted to do. So yeah, that's kind of the basics of me, I guess. Outside of medicine, I rock climb, backpack, and snowboard as often as I can. Wow, that's awesome. Very active. So tell me about how you became interested in urology. So I guess the longer story, I helped host a, like a big research. Well, it wasn't a research conference necessarily. It was like a surgical conference for students at my school. My school won the bid to host a a surgical conference for students that were interested in all kinds of fields of surgery. And they were looking for students, my first year of med school, they were looking for students to run it. And me and a couple of other students got elected to manage like the conference. So we did. Part of that involves calling up the company Intuitive that makes the Da Vinci robot for robotic surgery. We had them bring a robot out, set it up, let the students play on the robot. Like everyone got some time on the console. We had all kinds of cool stuff, but that blew my mind. Like I saw robotic surgery and thought like, that's just wild. That's the future. I love engineering. It's kind of a, a engineering and physics are kind of side hobbies of mine. <laughs> so I thought whatever does that, I want to do that. Yeah. And it was a year later, almost that I was on an airplane to a similar surgical conference, but meant for surgeons in Colorado Springs. And on the airplane, just happenstance, a guy comes in and sits next to me and it's him, his wife, and like five kids. And we strike up a conversation. I ask what he's doing. He says, he's going to a conference. I said, oh, interesting. He's like, well, I'm actually a surgeon. I'm a urologist. I didn't know anything about urology at the time. So I was like, well, what does that mean? So he talked to me a little bit about urology and asked what I wanted to do. And I said, I have no idea, but I saw, you know, robotic surgery and the Da Vinci robot kind of for the first time and was incredibly inspired by that. And he's like, well, (laughs) uh, urologists are one of the fields that do a healthy amount of robotic surgery, among other cool things. And he talked me up about it and I pretty much chased it. Like from that moment on, like I got back from that conference and told my wife, like I met a guy on the airplane that told me about this field called urology and it's really Mm -hmm. cool. And I've pretty much been hooked on it since. Like everything I've learned about it from that moment has kind of more and more convinced me that it fits like kind of what I want to do. Yeah, that's amazing. It's so cool how little things, you know, just like someone that you're sitting on an airplane with can like change your life. 
That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So because this podcast is focused on helping current and prospective medical students to explore research, we want to dig in and explore that area of your academic journey. So were you involved in research before starting medical school? If so, what was the research in? So before med school, I would say my actual experience in research was pretty poor. I had two not really real research projects. One was like a class assignment that I took kind of seriously. It was a very basic science project. Never got published or anything like that. Like I literally just did it to fulfill the requirements, but I did a good job with it. Mm -hmm. And then the other one was, it was like, yeah, it was another like class project. So I never really did any real research. And the, the school I was at didn't have a whole lot going on in terms of research. I had nobody in my family that had ever done anything in any fields of like, it was just a whole foreign thing to me. So to be honest, going into med school, I would say my research experience consisted of like the library courses you take in undergrad that tell you how to do literature reviews. And I remember what I learned from those classes, but I had never actually used it in a real way. So what was your first research experience in medical school then? Did you have any before doing the research fellowship? If so, what was that like and what was it in? I had one. So me and another student that Mm -hmm. were similar minded, we wanted to do surgical fields. We both had genuine interest in research. It wasn't just like, I got to do a research project because it's a check. It was like, I want to do something. And I told myself, like, I want to do research, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something real. I'm not going to do some BS, yeah. whatever, just to get a paper, which I get that some people need to do that because it, it's required for their field. But either way, him and I sat down and literally brainstormed, like, what connections do we have? What ideas do we have? What questions do we have? Like him and I just sat down in a library for like two hours one day. And we stumbled upon a particular research idea it had to do with hyperbaric oxygen therapy and its wow. uses. We thought we had a surgeon that was interested in applying that to, um, he was a surgeon that some of the students at our school had rotated with. Mm-hmm. And we reached out to him and he said he'd be interested in working with us. And we kind of got a project started. Uh, we met with like the appropriate people, started writing an IRB. Like that was kind of my first experience. And like, okay, like let's figure out how to answer a question and how to design a project from scratch. Mm-hmm. Didn't actually get that far with the project by the time I was applying to a research year. But having started something like that and passed it on to some younger students that were going to keep moving it forward was like my first kind of introduction to the nuts and bolts of like doing a research project. That's great. But my research experience consisted of some undergrad class assignments Mm -hmm. and then one project that I started but never finished during my like second to third year of med school. Okay. Okay. So then after that, what led you to pursue a research fellowship? What was the process of applying? What sparked your interest in pursuing that? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So stepping back, actually, before I even did it, I knew I wanted to do some research. Mm -hmm. I was at a DO school where research was not like prominent. Mm -hmm. They've done better, but there was nothing going on in the field I was interested in. There was no strong like wet labs or dry labs or clinical. There was nothing going on. Like a lot of times at, at a medical institution, if you're associated with a teaching hospital, there are people doing research all around that need tasks done and students can jump on. None of that going on where I was at. And I tried. I tried to join about four different projects that never panned out. So I was kind of feeling frustrated. Like I'm wanting to do research. There's not a lot of opportunity. So my wife and I actually 
decided to live with a family member our first three years of med school. And then we took the money we would have spent on rent and we saved it in anticipation of me possibly taking a research year between my third and fourth year so that we'd have enough money to live off of for a year. And in that time, I just started looking around. Once I decided I want to do urology, I was like, okay, well, if that's what I want to do, that's what I want to know the most about. And I looked up like maybe eight or nine research opportunities. I kind of just got online. There's a spreadsheet that had some stuff about it. When I say spreadsheet, there's Mm -hmm. each specialty has like a spreadsheet online. They're kind of dangerous places, but um, (laughs) I found it. The reason they're on a spreadsheet is kind of hide it from like being searchable on the internet, but students go on, there's like discussion forums and people can get kind of nasty and either way, but, but I found a a page full of like people posting research opportunities. And so I reached out to a whole bunch. So I applied really broadly. I probably applied to six programs and I got rejected by five. And then uh, I had an interview, the program I ended up working with, which is where we met at UCI and they, they offered me a spot to come do research with them for a year so that's kind of how I ended up doing a research year and kind of how I got in I knew I wanted to do it I knew that I needed to get out of this little bubble that I lived in which was the school that I was at that had nothing going on and I needed to get out and to be honest I was advised against it by a couple of my med school advisors oh research isn't that important for most fields it's going to be a lot of time you don't want to set back your school by a year Mm -hmm. there were all these reasons like not to do it I just I didn't buy it I, I knew enough about the field I wanted to go into to know that research mattered in that field. Yeah. And I knew enough about myself to know that I actually wanted to, to have the skills to do research. I didn't want to just like do research, check a box. Like I wanted a career that involved discovery. Yeah. And I couldn't do that if I didn't have the fundamental skills. And residency probably wasn't the place to first learn those skills yeah. because there's just no time. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. And I think what's so cool about your story is there are a lot of other medical students who feel like they're in that same place like myself, like my school doesn't have very many resources for research. Everyone I've talked to so far says it doesn't matter, focus on school. And I feel like kind of how you felt like, well, this is something I want to do. This is something that matters to me. So it's cool to see how you sought that out. And I, I do think the general advice you get from people of focusing on school, that is your number one. Yeah. That that has to come first, like research or no research. You don't get into the field you want to get into if you don't pass the board. So yeah. <laughs> there's like this, there's like this bottom line, like we have to do good in school, yeah. but along the way, there's ways to find opportunities to do research. And as a side comment, like, oh, this will probably come up in your later questions, but it's not just the research you do, which does matter, but it's the people you meet and work with mm-hmm. that kind of become fundamental to you getting into the field that you want. So definitely, definitely mentorship matters. So tell me about the skills that um, you had that allowed you to be productive in the lab at UCI. I think the number one and number two skills, once you get into a place with resources, right? Mm -hmm. I think your most valuable skills would be like one, an incredible work ethic. You have to be able to work insanely hard Mm -hmm. because it takes effort. Two, you have to be able to write. Mm-hmm. A lot of research is just good writing and writing comes with good thinking. Yeah. You have to be able to understand a thing in its entirety. You have to be able to communicate it well. That's just so important to, to research. And then the third is you kind of have to be able to just learn. Mm-hmm. 
any research project you do, what you what you're hopefully doing is running up to the bleeding edge of what is known on a certain topic. Mm-hmm. And then you have to be able to just figure stuff out, think critically and solve problems. And I think so much of research is just like finding something you don't know how to do and either figuring out how to do it or figuring out who can do it and then working with those people. Yeah. So I think like every project that I had success with, I either like learned a ton and just solved a problem or yeah. I found someone that had the knowledge that I didn't have and got them to work with me. Yeah. And I know in our lab, you did some work with artificial intelligence, VR, you were on a lot of VR studies and you like totally honed into learning those skills. Like you were the, we would joke that you were the, like the coder. In our, mm-hmm. in our lab. Which, which is funny because I never wrote a single line of code. I couldn't tell you front to back anything about writing code. I understand the principles. I understand yeah. the limitations of a technology and I knew who to talk to. I found a code. Okay. <laughs> okay. That was kind of the key. Yeah. So tell me more about like how how did you become like the guy though to like take control of those VR studies? What skills did you feel like you needed to learn? The I'll start with the artificial intelligence study because that's probably the one that I got them. Well, both I guess the two are intertwined in a way, now that yeah. I think about it. Part of it is they had a study that was already going that involved the virtual reality, basically. They already had a study where they were taking CT scans, making 3D models of people's anatomy. So I'd make a model of your kidneys and then using that to prep for surgery and seeing if that changed anything about the surgery. But I realized that technology could be used for a lot more. If I can take two-dimensional slices of something and make them into 3D, that just opens the world up on stuff that you can investigate. I took a particular interest in the way that we measured kidney stones. Um, I had heard my mentors, Dr. Clayman and Dr. Landman, lament a little bit that the way that we quantify kidney stones was insufficient. They had lamented that a lot of studies were using poor methods for quantifying stones, and that was leading to a lot of murkiness on the, on the conclusions that were being drawn about kidney stones. And that kind of limited our ability to answer questions. You know, kidney stones is a real problem. A lot of people get kidney stones and our actual ability to treat and prevent them is poor. It's Mm -hmm. pathetic to see how little we've progressed in being able to prevent stuff. And so I kind of just took an interest in that and realized that one of the big issues was the way that we quantify stones and thought, well, we have this 3D technology we're using to make models of people's bodies. Why don't we make our like, you know, kidneys and whatever. Why don't we make models of the stones and see what we can extract from there? Mm -hmm. I then realized that the process was incredibly cumbersome, like slice by slice, color all of a stone, turn that stone into a 3D model, extract data. It just was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous amount of work and nobody's ever going to do that. Mm-hmm. So then I sought out, okay, well, how can we do this better? Um, another student had done a project on artificial intelligence that I thought was interesting. And that kind of picked me off like, geez, what if we can get a computer to do all of this work for us? Mm-hmm. Um, I got in contact with, there was an artificial intelligence group at UCI. Um, so they, they do artificial intelligence geared towards diagnostic imaging. So they'd already pioneered some projects in that realm. And I reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in kind of continuing a project that had been started. They said yes. And then I basically just prepared a whole plan on like how to attack the problem. And I invited my mentors who happened to be the chair of the department and a big name in urologic research, Dr. Lamman and Dr. Clayman, as well as I invited the leader of the artificial intelligence group, 
and one of their data processors slash coders all to like this meeting. And I had this kind of detailed presentation of how I thought this problem could be solved with all of my research I had done on the project. I did a bunch of like digging around to see what had already been done. And did I think that we could do better Mm -hmm. and really kind of sold this idea that like this matters, we can do it. And I think we can do it better than what's been done. And they agreed to help support and fund the project, which that's kind of how that became a thing. Wow. And that kind of became my like passion project of the year yeah. that I spent doing research with them. Because Rohit, Rohit was the other research student, mm-hmm. you know him, but we were, um, me and another student were kind of partners in all the research that we did. And between the two of us, I think we worked on like 20 or 30 different projects, wow. kind of concomitantly, like all at the same time. But this was the one that I kind of like latched onto and put a little more effort into. So. Totally, totally. So out of all the different types of projects that you worked on, what would you say was the most meaningful types of projects? Well, that's a good question. And I'll step back and say meaningful can mean a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. Meaningful can mean you published something and it made a difference on your CV. Yeah. Um, I think meaningful can also mean like it changed your trajectory or your way of thinking about mm-hmm. something. And then meaningful can also mean like the impact it has on, on that actual field. Yeah. So for me personally, I think the most meaningful was the artificial intelligence stuff. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that just lit a fire under me to, to get involved and to learn about something that I didn't know anything about. And then to start something that's going to continue for years after I leave and may become something significant. It may not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think uh, outside of that, though, there's a whole myriad of projects that were meaningful in terms of my actual like CV. But we we published a handful of things. Surprisingly, like the few projects I published are ones I feel like I didn't put as much work into and the ones that haven't published are some of the ones I poured a lot into. So we'll kind of see what pans out over time. Was it just like the type of like whether it was retrospective or clinical study, like clinical trial, basic science like type of thing? Did that? Some of it is I put an insane amount of time into these projects that I wanted to push to publication. But when you start something, it takes forever to get it to the end of the road mm-hmm. versus like, they'll be like, Oh, we have this project that we were about to publish, but there's an issue with the data. Can you mm-hmm. go through the data sheet, check a bunch of stuff. And then they add you as an author and then it's ready to go and they publish. And so boom, you get a publication or a project. Like, it wasn't your brainchild. You didn't put your heart yeah. and soul into it, yeah. but you got your name on the paper because you bailed them out when something was awry and nobody had time to fix it. And I did that a couple of times yeah. um, and ended up on, on one or two papers where I just was helping out. You know, mm-hmm. I just was the guy that had the time to push it to the finish line, but yeah. it wasn't my like passion project. It's just something I got invited to do. And that's the advantage or the privilege of being in an institution where things are happening. Yeah. That never happened at my med school ever, but it happened a lot on my research year because I was surrounded by academically inclined people that were doing research Mm -hmm. and I was a willing guy that could get stuff done so yeah wow that's amazing what did you feel like was most valuable during your experience as a research fellow whether it was mentorship connections residency building the work you were doing 1000 percent, the most important thing for my career coming out of the research is probably the mentorship and connections Mm-hmm. which is kind of goes without saying, but, and every field's different, mm-hmm. but in the world of urology, it is a very small world. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody kind of knows everybody, especially in academia and 
who you know and who's willing to write you a letter of recommendation and who's willing to vouch for you and make a phone call on your behalf is not everything, but it's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, you can be a great student, but if nobody knows that, mm-hmm. it's tough to, to get what you want. So I, I, I am passionate about research and I would rather just do research for research sake. But the connections that I made and the opportunities that came up from the research and then even when I'm like, right now I'm out on rotations and somebody asks what I've been doing and I say, oh, I got to do research. Where did you do it at? Oh, I was at a place called University of California, Irvine. Um, you know, my mentors were Dr. Laman, Clayman, Patel. People know those names. Yeah, they do. And then they immediately have a connection to those people because they've seen them at conferences. They trained with them. I met a guy who was a resident of Dr. Laman and Dr. Clayman. Wow. So immediately knows their names, knows what that means. And he's an attending here at a university that I just visited. Wow. which means like that guy already has developed an idea in his head of who I am based on who I've worked with. Mm-hmm. So things like that are invaluable. They're kind of the intangibles. So any research you do, you're making an impression on people by the way you do it. And that can be incredibly valuable. Hmm. No, I agree. Wow. That's amazing. And we were lucky enough to have both Dr. Landman and Clayman who were not only well known but they were really inspiring too so it's I feel like every time I talked especially with Dr. Lamman it was like I was pep talked motivated like excited to teach discover and heal right like <laughs> they know how to light fires yeah they do <laughs> which is important so I wanted to talk to you a little bit we talked a little bit more about when we first started introducing you like other things you like to do, your family. And I think everyone has an understanding that participating in research, you know, can, is because it's an extra thing you do, it can kind of take away from other aspects of your life, whether that's, you know, doing an activity you love, spending time with family. So I wanted to ask, because you've been participating in so many research projects throughout, especially the last, what, year and a half, um, was there a significant opportunity cost for you to dedicate so much time specifically to research? I would say yes and no. When you say opportunity costs, like I, I kind of looked at it this way. If and it, I'll put it this way for a research year, mm-hmm. taking time off from school to go do research. So not just doing research during school. Here was my mentality. If it's a year off, if it's a year like if I'm going to take a research year and have it be like, oh, I just delayed graduating by a year. I have the completely wrong mentality to be doing it. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, a research, the research year, at least that I took was intended as a step forward yeah. and a step into what I wanted to do. So it wouldn't be like, oh, I got to go do a year of research and then I get to do what I want to do. It's like, I wanted to do research in urology and that's exactly what I got to do. Mm-hmm. And it did cost in terms of hobbies, time, money. Um, it takes a toll. I don't know about other research years, but this one was incredibly busy. And yeah. so it took a toll on like family time, it took a toll on, you know, getting to travel and see the people I wanted to see. I didn't get to go home and see like my parents as much as I would have liked for certain events. Like it, there, there was a lot of sacrifice involved on the flip side. Like I wanted to be doing the research. If, if, I had been doing it saying like, I hate research. Like I don't want to do this, but I have to, to get what I want. Then I think it would have been like a literal hell. Mm -hmm. If it's like, I want to do research. I enjoy it just as much as I want to go backpacking. I want to discover something. I want to answer a question. 
I want to um, display beautifully something we figured out, which is a lot of what writing a paper is, is figuring out how to articulate and depict something that you've now like pinned down. I enjoyed it. Like I actually, it was kind of conflicting because it would be hard to be away from my family for long hours, but at the same time, like I enjoyed doing the research. Like I, I took a lot of joy in, in some of the aspects. Of course there's headaches. Like yeah. there were times I was just <laughs> extremely bothered, upset or miserable with the way something was going, but that's any job. Mm-hmm. So for a research year, if someone considers it, if you're remotely thinking like, oh, I just, I have to do a research year in order to get into the field that I want, but you're not like in it for the actual research, you're, I mean, do it if you want, but you won't be happy, Mm -hmm. right? Like you got to stop and think like, do I actually enjoy research? And if you don't know, it's worth doing to figure out if you enjoy it, but at least admit like, you know, do it, do it because you want to do it, not because you feel like you have to. Yeah. Okay. That's good advice. Do you have any tips for prospective medical students who are interested in research, but are confused where to start or, or overwhelmed with, you know, academic responsibilities or other extracurricular activities? I think the number one piece of advice for research is find mentors. Mm-hmm. If you're like, I don't know where to start. That's exactly what a mentor is. is someone that kind of knows where to start. Mm-hmm. Best way you can do that is get yourself into situations where you can meet mentors and then ask those people, Hey, do you have anything I can help out with? So going to things like academic conferences where people present research, going to things like when you're an undergrad, you have professors, these people all around, you have PhDs and some of them have research and you can just ask like, Hey, do you have research projects you're working on? Can I join? Can I help? And you just start meeting people that know what they're doing and you Mm -hmm. can learn from them. The other thing is to seek out formal research. If you're completely lost and you're at a place like I was at where I'm like, there's nothing going on here. I'm not finding mentors. Nobody's doing anything here. Then go find a structured research experience, which means get online and look up, um, you know, research years, research programs. There's summer research programs. There's programs that last an entire year like I did. There's labs that will just take people to like do work with them for an extended period of time. You know, just like you did with Mm -hmm. the UCI lab, you just, you find places where research is happening and get yourself there. Mm -hmm. If you want to be an actor, you move your butt to LA and and start auditioning for places to act until you get a job. If you want to be a researcher, you get yourself to a place where research is happening, get involved and learn everything you can. Yeah, definitely. That's really good advice. Do um, I want to end with one last question since our time is running out it looks like on on zoom so i just want to ask to close what is the ultimate impact you want to have with your research and are you interested in continuing research and residency and beyond and if so what type do you plan on doing okay there's kind of three questions there yeah i will say (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer them in reverse order. So first one, like what type of research do I want to do? I love basic science, transitional, and clinical research. Mm-hmm. I like discovering a principle. I like figuring out how that principle can be applied. And then I love applying it and see how it, how it affects people's lives. So all of those realms are interesting to me. I'm mostly interested in urology. Yeah. Things I've done so far involve mostly work with lasers, um, development of some new technologies in urology, artificial intelligence, And then I've done a handful of like clinical things. But the impact that I want to have with research, my opinion is there's kind of two 
driving spirits behind research. One is just basic discovery. Yeah. Let's figure out how the world works. And I think there's, there's value in just doing projects that answer questions, regardless of the impact those questions have initially. Like we just want to figure out like what's going on around us. I think the next motivation for research and this, you see a lot more in, in medicine is research that affects people. Yeah. It changes, that changes what we do and how we do it. So I do believe there's not a lot of research out there where someone did it solely because they want to publish something, put their name on it, give themselves a pat on the back and then move on, check a box. And that's useless. I think research that's geared towards like, what are we doing for patients? How can we make their life better? Yeah. Or how can we do what we're doing better? And then how do we evaluate that? How do we, what is better? in any particular context. I think, so the two spirits of research are just discovering something. And then like, how do we improve the human condition? How do yeah. we make life on this planet or whatever planet we happen to make it to next better and more livable for the people there? And in my particular interest, that's medicine. I want to know how to, how to help people live long and live healthy and live quality lives. But there's a lot of, I mean, any realm of research, that's the focus, right? Whether you're in like, aeronautics, engineering, like chemistry, basically we're just trying to learn how the world works and then use what we learn to better our, our lives as human beings on the planet. So, yeah, just like at UCI, discovering and healing. That's what yeah. it comes down to. Yeah. Well, Kaylon, thank you so much. This has been really encouraging and I know that everyone listening will agree that it's really great to hear your story and it helps just, I mean, people even like in my shoes, starting off in med school, like it, it's very encouraging and has really taught me, okay, what's important? What do I need to focus on and how to get there? So I just want to thank you. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me to do i I've never done a podcast yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was fun having so. you. <laughs>